as always, ladies, this podcast and the information being provided to you is for educational and informational purposes only, and it should not be taken as medical advice. It is not intended to treat or cure any specific illness, and it is not to replace the guidance provided by your own medical practitioner. This information is to be used at your own risk based on your own judgment. And if you suspect you have a medical problem, we urge you to take appropriate action by seeking medical attention. Welcome to the She Talks Health podcast, dedicated to guiding and supporting women on their journey to optimal thyroid health. I'm Sophie Shepard, your host and mind-body wellness coach, here to bring you inspiring stories of resilience, education, and transformation. Do you want to stop walking through life feeling like a zombie and start being present? Are you sick of struggling with depression, constipation, hair loss, crippling fatigue, weight gain, cold intolerance, and irregular periods? Do you wish that you had a direct pathway to taking back your mental and physical well-being? Well, my friend, you are in the right place. As a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, I help women transform their thyroid health through physical, mental, and emotional healing. I am so excited to be your guide on this health adventure. Let's embark together on a path that leads to relief, joy, empowerment, and normalcy that you've been seeking. Get ready to feel the strength of shared experiences and the power of possibility. Welcome to the She Talks Health Podcast. As women who've been diagnosed with thyroid disease or Hashimoto's, it's often touted that the only movement we should be doing is yoga or low impact. Well, on the show today, we have the incredible Dr. Emily Kuyper to talk about why that may not be true and why focusing on strength training specifically curated for the woman with Hashimoto's is the key for women to feel strong and confident. Dr. Emily is a chiropractor and a movement specialist and a strength enthusiast who's reversed her Hashimoto's, and she helps women who are struggling with Hashimoto's learn how to exercise to lose weight and beat fatigue so that they can feel their best and show up for people that matter the most in their life. In this episode, we go into why she created the Thyroid Strong program, why building muscle with Hashimoto's is harder why we want to lift weights and why that might be better for us and how to deal with injury recovery and putting your fears aside and just getting started, how to monitor your progress. And also we talked a bit about mold since mold is a huge factor in Hashimoto's and and it was for Emily. And we talk about the visual signs of mold and how it can correlate to Hashimoto's. I love this episode. I hope you will too. Have a listen and enjoy. Welcome back, everybody, to the She Talks Health podcast. I'm here, Sophie Shepard, as your host, and I have my friend today and an amazing human, Dr. Emily Kyber. Welcome to the She Talks Health podcast. Thanks for having me on, Sophie. Always love bouncing ideas off each other and vibing with you. So it's so good. I know. And we live so close. So it's perfect. Yeah. I'm so excited about this podcast because this is the second podcast to release of the relaunch of the She Talks Health podcast with the focus of thyroid health. And we both have had the diagnosis of Hashimoto's before, and we support women with Hashimoto's. And one of the things I love about Dr. Emily is that she is a fitness, I'm going to call you a fitness guru because that's how I think about you. (laughs) Um, Okay, I'll take what I can get. 
Because, <laughs> and for me, when I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's, I was doing like yoga all the time and I was running around to like bar classes and I would kept getting injured. And I remembered I had like these repetitive injuries in my back to the point where I was like disabled. I was on the floor writhing in pain with low SI joint problems. And I didn't, and it kept happening for a year. I mean, years, like a decade. And then I met you <laughs> and it stopped happening. So I wanted to talk today about exercise for someone with thyroid issues. You have an amazing program called Thyroid Strong. And I want to educate people about why the way you teach exercise for someone with Hashimoto's is so important. And so would you tell us a little bit about Thyroid Strong and why did you make this program? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a chiropractor by training. I've been a chiropractor since 2007, but I'm a chiropractor who does a lot of rehab, a lot of strength. And when I was diagnosed in 2016, I was doing the same. I was like yoga, Pilates, and a lot of the recommendations that I was getting in terms of exercise was take it easy, don't push it too hard. And I would do my yoga practice, I would walk, I would like dapple in Pilates, and I would always feel worse. Very similar. My SI joints would feel like like burning garbage dump. Like I would feel good during the practice. I'd probably overstretch my hamstrings. And then afterwards, my back would be like on fire. And so through this whole process of getting diagnosed with Hashimoto's, cleaning up some of the functional medicine pieces, like how is eating, some environmental load, working on my gut, one of the things was really focusing on my muscle tissue. And so through the process of collaborating with functional medicine doctors in New York City, when I had my practice there, they were dealing with all the functional medicine and they were like, get this person out of pain. I don't know what it is. And I was like, well, it's probably a little bit because they're hypothyroid with like muscle aches and joint pains but I will do my best. And so when you typically meet with someone, they're, they are looking at your labs and you're sitting across the table from them and they're like, all right, this is the game plan. But they're not looking at like, how do you move? What moves too much? What doesn't move enough? How can you like earn your strength? How can you build tension in the body? How does your body move with being hypothyroid and having an autoimmune condition? So there were certain things I noticed in clinical practice and I felt like a little bit of a broken record was the Hashi ladies were coming in with tightness, muscle aches, joint pain, and they wanted a massage and they wanted to get adjusted. But clinical observation was there was this element of joint hypermobility in about like 80% of the clients where you adjust them, you don't get a clean adjustment, you do some massage and they feel the same. And you're like, well, that wasn't very helpful. And I noticed through this joint hypermobility that they wanted a release. They wanted a massage. But what they really need was to rein in the joints, create strength, create stability. And I wish there were chaturangas. There was like a certain number of chaturangas or downward dogs where in yoga you could get that joint stability. But really the best, most effective and most efficient way to do that is to pick up a weight and to strength train. So I started taking these women who had Hashimoto's or other autoimmune conditions because a lot of them had multiple yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. And taking away their yoga practice, which sometimes I felt like I was taking away their soul, but I was like, let's just do it for six to eight weeks to start. And let's just get you a really clear strength training program, functional moves that would have carryover to your day. And so I was doing it in person. And then I started being like, well, my sister's in Florida. Like a client would be like, my sister's in Florida. Can you help her? And I was like, well, she wants to come to New York. And so I created a course, Thyroid Strong, in 2017 
with very specific cueing, right? Because weights are a little scary. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of reps, long rest breaks, and using kettlebells because we can talk about this like functionally nice to work with when you're first learning form. Like they're very forgiving mm-hmm. compared to like a barbell, even dumbbells sometimes. And yeah, put it out into the world and people were like, oh my God, no one's talking about exercise. Like people just talk about exercise intolerance, like how hard it is to exercise, mm-hmm. or they're just talking about going back to that conversation, which is a little bit of the functional medicine conversation sometimes, which is like, take it easy. Don't do too much. Let's protect your adrenals. Or the conventional medicine, because weight loss is a factor, right? Like weight gain is a factor with being hypothyroid. A lot of conventional medicine is like, move more, eat less. Just keep on moving that body, but they don't really give guidance. So I was trying to speak to both sides and be like, you know what? There's really an efficient, effective way to do this. And this is to lift weights, but in a certain way with a certain program to maintain your muscle tissue, because it's really hard with Hashimoto's to build up muscle tissue, maintain muscle tissue and stabilize the joints. So that was the birth of my baby thyroid strong. We love your baby. We sent all of our thyroid people to your baby. Amazing. I love it. No, seriously, I can't I can't say no good things about it. And it really helps. And it really so if you are listening to this and you have hypothyroidism or Hashimoto's and you are always getting injured and you're always having joint pain, or maybe you haven't told you're hypermobile, but you're not flexible. That was like the biggest thing when you said that to me. I thought, wait, what? How can that be? And but then I would think about all the chiropractors I had been to and they would like adjust, they would over adjust me. And I would be like, yeah, oh, like that was way too many cracks. And I still hear three times a week. Like, why am I here so often? Yeah. I mean, like I was at the point of getting like cortisone shots in New York when I lived there, like in my back because. Wow. Yeah. I don't know if I've even ever told you that. Like, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah it was bad. I was like in chiropractic three times a week. I was getting these shots in my back. Sometimes it'd work and like sometimes wouldn't work. And it's you know, freaking cortisone, like <laughs> that in my body. And and it all correlated with like when I got diagnosed with Hashimoto's, but also my irritable bowel syndrome. I think when I was able to heal my gut, the nerve endings like stopped going there to my low back. And but I remember, yeah, like I remember this one time I was on this retreat and I did a yoga pose, you guys, and I crying in this yoga practice. And I was like, why is this happening to me? And so like learning this from you just it revolutionized the way I thought my body. Because I think a lot of us with Hashimoto's can feel like, why me? And like, why does my body work this way? And this just really helped me understand that it's not bad. It's just different. It's just a different way of being. And so I would love to maybe dig into, you said it's really hard for Hashi's ladies to build muscle. And I know yeah. you believe in the same Protein-forward diet, animal-based protein-forward diet for people with Hashimoto's, all people, in my opinion. <laughs> really? Yeah. Why is that? Like, why is it so hard? How does um, what we eat play into it and, and how we exercise? Every single cell in the body needs thyroid hormone, including our muscle tissue. And if you look at, sometimes people reference like the Mona Lisa, like she's like soft and doughy, right? And she probably had a hypothyroidism. But that is literally, it's like, probably- I... Like there's muscle tissue under there, but there's like this layer of adipose tissue. And it can sometimes present as like, I hate to use this term, but it can give a visual of like like a skinny fat, right? Like you don't look obese, but you have you don't have definition and tone either. And so when we're hypothyroid, our muscle tissue needs thyroid hormone if it's an underactive thyroid 
for whatever reason, we're going to have a harder time maintaining or building muscle tissue. It's just like a harder, it's harder journey. And so I focus thyroid strong on let's feed the muscle tissue, hit the right amount of protein, right? So like minimum 30 grams per meal to stimulate mTOR to then stimulate muscle protein synthesis, right? So if you eat three meals a day, that's a minimum of, of 90 grams of protein. Ideally, you'd probably have more, right? So you hear Dr. Gabrielle Lyon talk about this is like, think of your ideal dream body weight, one gram per pound of ideal body weight, which when you're first starting can feel like a lot to choke down. So sometimes I go like 0.8 because women are like, I feel like I'm stuffed with protein up to here if they're not used to eating that much protein. Well, I I think one of the things I find is that when we run the labs and when they work with people and run like the hair test, for example, like their metabolism is so slowed down. And so they're not hungry. Uh, A lot of H. pylori. So it's turning off their like digestive enzymes and stomach acid. So we hear you, but this is tough and we can know where we're headed. And I even will just pause for a second and say that I tracked my food recently in the chronometer app. I love that app. Yeah, I know. And I'm noticing that my body is, my metabolism is speeding up. Like things are working a little bit more efficiently and things. And so I'm hungry more often. And I was like, well, I feel like I'm eating enough. And so I was like, but let me like actually measure this and see how much protein I'm getting. And I was like, I was getting like 100 to 120 grams and I was still hungry. And it was that missing 10 or 20 grams of protein that's really need. I really needed to satiate me because 130 or 135 is like a perfect weight for me. And I mean, it was just really interesting because I was like, wow, I feel like I'm eating enough, but sometimes your body needs shift. And so if it's difficult for you to eat protein, that much protein, like slowly working up to it and starting something like thyroid strong might help you get your metabolism going so that you actually like, do you want that protein <laughs> too? And working on your gut. Yeah. And when you eat that protein, it has a complete, if it's animal protein, like the complete amino acid profile has leucine, which helps with recovery, muscle recovery, especially after a workout. Because if you think about it, lifting weights, there is an element of kind of tearing the muscle, right? And then the recovery, which ideally leucine is aiding in, is helping build that muscle. So I've totally been there where I'm like, I'm not hungry. And I'm like, oh, I also haven't like lifted. And usually it's if, if I've gone on like vacation or like we just traveled to Bali and there was like no weights. So it was like 10 days of no lifting, but I can totally get that. So yeah, I really try to frame the conversation with how do we feed our muscle tissue through how we're eating how, and then how we're moving our body, right? Which is let's lift weights three days a week. The other days you can do a restorative practice. I would ideally hit steps. Is there a certain number? There's different research on it. I saw your post on it, but like just get the body moving, right? If you want to fill in some cardio, like knock yourself out. But I think, and this is outside the hypothyroid population as well, is like, if you can move your body, you should probably be lifting weights. Mm -hmm. It's like a non-negotiable if you want to prevent injury. If you can move your body, lift weights. So that means yeah. pretty much. All of us, yeah. And some of the older research when you got injured was rest, right? Like some of the old school doctors like rest, rest. Well, all the newer research is move, move your body. And then even the newer research around like injury prevention is lifting weights. So there's a lot of research around it and there's a lot of fear around it. And so I think if you give, like if you slow it down, 
give people the right cues, be specific. Because like, how many times have you gone to a class and they're like, engage your core? And you're like, what does that mean? Like, am I doing it right now? But like telling people how to breathe, how to brace, where their ribs should go, where their feet should go, when you should breathe in, then you're giving someone a tool that ideally they would have learned, right? Like ideally that would be a class in like high school, like how to move weight without injuring yourself, but it's not. So, but it's such a great tool for the rest of life, right? Like picking up, like I was on the plane, I was like watching this woman try to put her overhead, her bag in the overhead. I was like, oh my God, she's going to totally injure herself because she was really struggling because her bag was heavy. So yeah, I think it's a life skill that is needed. Amazing. Okay, so we talked about eat some dang protein. Yep. Walk, like get some steps in. Yep. And for anyone who doesn't know what Emily's referral to my post is, I had a client who was like shaming herself into exercise. Ooh. How toxic. And I was and I like celebrated that she didn't hit the 10,000 steps, not because I want people to sit on their butt all day, but because I want us to get excited about movement. Like, and that's one of the reasons I love your course so much because it got me excited. I was like, this is doable, right? Like I can do this. I can, I mean, they're what, 30 minutes long? I mean, they're yeah. Some are 20 minutes long. We start slow and then work our way up. But yeah. So it's 20, 30 minutes, three times a week. And there's amazing cueing of how to lift these things that also help prevent injury when you're on a plane trying to lift a bag. And I mean, I think one of the challenging things, because I do have some clients that have a hard time starting and Mm -hmm. I'll check in on them. I'm like, you just got to start, like just get over the rumination and just take out the thinking and just start is... I think the missing piece, especially after the last three years, is community. Like if you surround yourself with people who are lifting and moving and you're like, you're the one kind of procrastinating on it all the time, (laughs) you will quickly start to take on the habits of the people around you. And there is a community within Thyroid Strong. It's not as like raw as, as some other communities I've observed. But I don't know, like, I think that's one big missing piece within just getting started for people who are, I don't know if they're procrastinating or ruminating or it's not a lack of information or tools, right? Thyroid Strong is out there, the information's there, the tools are there. But so yeah, sometimes people get stuck. I don't know if you have any sort of like mental, emotional things to help with that. You do, actually. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. So you've said it, right? I always give this example. You are a person and you walk up to two people and you offer them a cigarette. One person says, I'm trying to quit. The other person says, no, thanks. I'm not a smoker. If you have the identity of someone who lifts weights, then you would never skip your workout, right? But if you have the identity of someone who feels like Hashimoto's controls my life, I'm sick all all the time. I'm I'm in a sick body. I can't work out. And I'm not saying that from a place of judgment because good Lord knows I have been there. But we got to check where are our beliefs about ourselves. Right. Because otherwise, information is not transformation. Right. It's like the information's out there. We both have courses. I have She Academy, you have Thyroid Strong. Right. And so, one of the things I do in She Academy is I help people to recognize what are the noise? What's the noise for you specifically? What are the negative or unhelpful beliefs you have about your life or your health that is keeping you from not taking action, maybe, or from repeating the same habits? Maybe you're staying up really late or you're you're not working out or something like that. And then what do you want instead? So one really helpful thing there is like thinking forward into like, okay, I maybe the goal is like, I want to feel fit and strong, right? So then, yeah, who is that person? 
who is like, who's Dr. Emily? I bet you feel fit and strong, right? So what does she think about? What is she, what are her habits? Oh, she probably, yeah, she does her thyroid strong three times a week, right? She goes for walks every day. So try to get yourself into the shoes of the person you are walking towards versus filling your mind every single day with a thing you don't want. And I know how challenging that is with Hashimoto's, we get brain fog, we get depression. But I really find that along with this hypnosis audio that I do really helps people to just take action as opposed to staying stuck. So that would be my little advice for anyone who feels like it's tough to get started. And then what Emily said, surround yourself with people who this is their world, right? We want a different reality, create a different reality. Like go find those people. Go listen to a hypnosis that's positive towards your health. Start order the dumbbells. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So just small steps towards that identity that you're becoming. And I think it really does help to have community to your point. Um, yeah. I think it's so important to hold that vision, like you were saying, because trans like physical transformation takes a while, right? So healthy weight loss, a pound, half a pound to a pound a week, right? So let's say you lose two pounds a month, that's 24 pounds a year, right? But to like be in it, doing the things, the transformation slow. If you put on a half a pound to a pound of muscle a month, you're like an A plus student. Yeah. So if you put on like eight to 12 pounds of muscle a year, you're like a rock star. Like when you actually sit down and think about what you have to do to get that transformation, you really have to hold that vision, right? Because I think it's really easy to fall off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this podcast is coming out January 15th. So yeah. guys, listen to this for anything. You're, if you're like, oh yeah, I'm going to go to the gym again, January 1st. And then by January 15th, yeah. you're like, oh, I really want to. Because it's because you're not holding that vision. You haven't clearly, and I mean, get specific, right? The audio I send to people is like, what am I thinking about? What am I seeing? What am I tasting? What am I feeling? Like, like really try to imagine it because that's what you're walking towards. And I will tell you, when I have done this audio with any goal, I've gotten that goal every single time. And I've had clients, I had just had a client yesterday tell me she's been listening to it every day. And hers was about buying a house. She got super specific about what this house would look like. And then they're shopping for houses. She saw the house. She found the house. She put a bit on it. She's getting the house. And it's exactly right. (laughs) You you go towards what you want is really important. Um, You said something just now that I thought was maybe an interesting thing for people who might be. I know I've heard this a lot like, oh, I started to work out. And now I'm, I weigh more, right? But we know that muscle weighs, weighs a lot. So do you have any tips around this? Like how does a woman who's like concerned about her weight, who has Hashimoto's, how do we navigate this? How do we know? Like, if, yeah, like I'm gaining a half a pound of muscle and is there like a test or a way to know or things you might see differently in your body to know that you're putting on muscle? Yeah. So you could do a DEXA scan that focuses on body composition. Mm-hmm. There's different, de- right? There's DEXAs for bone density, and then there's a DEXA for bone com- for body composition. So looking at what is your muscle mass to adipose, to water weight, to bone, and you could do that maybe quarterly or every six months and just see the changes. That would be more of like a testing scientific way to go about it. Is there a doc, like you would go to a doctor's office for that kind of a scan? Yeah. I think the freeway would be to see if your clothes are changing and how they're fitting, right? So like maybe the number on the scale is going up, but you have more, you can see your waistline again and your pants are fitting better. I've had a lot of women, they're like, oh, the number on the scale. I was like, oh, let's see, like how your clothes fit. They're like, oh, better actually. (laughs) Sometimes I have women take photos at the start 
for themselves, not to post online for me, but for themselves, right? Because when we're in it, going back to the idea of like, you know, two to four pounds a month of weight loss, like it can feel like a grind. But then you look at a photo and you're like, oh my God, three months ago, like, look how much like my body has physically changed. And it's just a reminder to like, stay the course, keep going. So those would be two ways. If someone wants to invest financially, I'll get them. I'll have them do like a DEXA with body composition. But most people, I'm just like, let's do before and after photos. You can take measurements and I'll teach you how if you want to. If you don't want to, that's fine. And let's just see the overtime if your clothes fit better. I typically am having people hit their protein and then fill in carbs and fats like 50-50 with the difference. For some people who are really focused on weight loss, we will talk about caloric intake, macros on a much more specific level. Not everyone wants that. People are like, I just want my energy back or I just want to get rid of my brain fog. So then the focus is different. So you have the course, which is like a self-paced thing. And then is this work that you might do with them on the macros separate? Is that like a one-to-one that um, they could sign up for or like have a one-off call with you? Yeah. And it came out organically because a couple women were asking for it. They're like, I want to take your course, but I also need a focus on caloric intake for their body. There are meal plans that are AIP friendly mm-hmm. in the course. But yeah, a couple of women reached out and they're like, I really want like my whole goal is weight loss. I was like, okay, well, let's get really honest about it. And this is, these are the steps that are required. Really tracking it and understanding what you're eating and how to. Yeah. It's good to know that's out there as an option for people. I know you probably have very limited spots, but that's incredible to offer that. Yeah. Well, one other thing I wanted to ask you, and it's a big topic, so we'll probably have you back for another call. But I know if you follow Dr. Emily on, on Instagram, she talks a lot about molds. And it's a huge topic. So we're going to have you back. And I also just wanted to say that mold has been a huge thing for you with Hashimoto's. It's like followed you to different cities. It's been like you're such a wealth of knowledge. So do you get these people that come into Thyroid Strong and they're doing the workout, but they're maybe not like getting better? And then you're like, well, maybe there's like, because I know we do a lot of testing and she talks health of gut testing and mold testing. What's your like first step if you like think that there's molds where do you send them do they go watch your course or your online webinar or do they buy something where do they start if they think they have mold yeah so i have a free guide it's dremilykybert.com forward slash mold and i think if someone suspects mold right because mold is a great mimicker it is like there's so many symptoms that have overlap with autoimmune diseases even just like general allergic reactions to just do a visual inspection of your house. It's free, right? And you're looking for things like cracks, separation in drywall, discoloration, paint starting to bubble. You can use different tools. And then once you see visual signs, potentially, then it's time to hunt, right? It's like being your own like doctor house, but with your house. And you could use a moisture meter or a thermography gun, which detects differences in temperature. So if it's cooler in one area, there could be water damage there or an active water leak. Or using a scope, we can drill a little hole behind the wall and look, is there mold behind the wall? So I start there because in my experience, and I've hired seven different mold inspectors in my lifetime, there's a lot of testing. There's a lot of thousands of dollars that go out. And then there's not, I'm like, well, where's the source? And this has happened with friends and clients where they've done like I did $20,000 worth of testing 
And so I knew there was stachybotrys. I knew there was aspergillus, but I didn't know where it was. I just knew it was in the home. And the mold inspector is like, well, I think it's above the shower. So we tore out the whole shower in our Brooklyn condo, like the whole, like we moved out, we moved stuff. We lived in our friend's apartment for a couple months while we modeled. The contractors pulled it out and they're like, no, nothing's there. I'm like, ah, so where is it? Uh, I think it's important because the person who knows the history of their home are the people who lived in it, right? Like a mold inspector only comes in for like the number of hours that they're in your home. You've been there or have talked to the previous owners of like, oh, there was a flood in 2013 in Boulder. Oh, like, oh, there was a roof leak. Like just knowing the history of your home and doing a visual inspection, using the tools to pick up moisture behind walls. And then maybe you could even do your own test. You could do your own ERMI, right? Because a lot of mold inspectors will upcharge the ERMI. So you could get your own swabs and do your own swabbing. So I'm a big proponent of like, let's do a lot of the legwork on your own and then bring a mold inspector in. For some people who've had multiple failed remediations where they remediate, they do a post-test, it's still moldy. Sometimes there, there's mold dogs that will pick up just through scent and how they're trained, will pick up areas that mold inspector would have never picked up. Wow. So for people who've had one or two remediations that have failed, I'm like, just bring in the mold dog. Mm. There's one in Colorado, buddy, the mold dog. Yeah. And yeah. And then it's like, okay, you do the mold inspection, but then like, what's what do you do with that data? Like the whole goal is to find the source, to tear it out so that it's not affecting you. So, so yeah, I think just on my own journey, there's a free guide, forward slash mold. There's a masterclass, which could really be its own course. It's like start to finish. It also talks about, because some people are very sensitive to mold detox, like binders are not their thing. They feel much sicker. How you could use foods to move bile or to move or to bind to mold in your system. Oh, amazing. Mm-hmm. That's like a more, right? That's like gentler, all the way to more aggressive binders. And then the masterclass also talks about how to do a visual, your own visual inspection, amazing. what questions to ask, what questions to ask remediator, what a remediator should be doing, start to finish if you're going to do it on your own journey. I do help people one-on-one. I'll do like a three-month deep dive and help them find the, a good mold inspector, in their area, help them find a remediator and just making sure they're asking the right questions and then helping them interpret. Like I have someone in Utah right now and it's taking like 40 days to get results back and it's coming back in pieces and it's more mold than what they expected. And she's already remediated once. And I think also just helping with like the overwhelm of it because it can be very overwhelming. It can be very overwhelming. And I have a post out where I was like, I never really thought I would know anything about mold. And I don't even know the same extent that you do. But then I was getting these people with hormone issues and like gut issues that wouldn't go away and Hashimoto's antibodies. And so ironically, I'm actually recording this podcast at my mentor, my mentor's house, who his main reason for Hashimoto's was mold. And he taught me all these things. And he taught me about the mycotoxin test and the organic acid test. And so I started to test people just to see. And it would it ended up being like half of the people that I work with would have mold and then we would test them oh, do me yeah. and like half of them it would be from the house that they're in and half of them i had this one person who it was like from like 18 years prior and just been like colonizing and go- like she was like i know there's mold in this house for sure and like her home that she was in now didn't have so it could be just like a lot like you're like well wait a second like this is my house like how do i deal with this and how do i finance this and how do i where do i start so i love that you're offering both like a 
cheaper course version or a webinar that should be a course. Yeah. And also one-to-one if someone needs the help on the house part of it too, right? Like that's really crucial. Wow. Yeah. Because it can also be your workplace too, right? Like it would assume the home, but if you're going to a workplace, it could be a workplace too. Really? Yours being in schools are... Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I had one person who worked at a synagogue and it was in her, it was in the synagogue. And so, yeah, it's like, okay, you're going there every single day. Now, what do you do? Can you just repeat? Because I think it did cut out. So we'll just make sure that people can hear. You said that there's some visual cues for people and I heard nail pops and then I think it cut out. So what were the visual cues really quick? Yeah. So just looking around your house, looking for visual signs of water damage. So paint that's bubbling away where two pieces of drywall meet, they'll start to see a separation and you'll see like a crease between the two pieces of drywall. Molding that's like pulling away from the wall. Nail pops, which is basically the wood that the nail's in will get water damage and expand, can also rust the nail. And then the nail will start to get pushed out of the wood from the water intrusion and push into the drywall. So you'll see a nail pop. It can sometimes be rusty where the head of the nail is literally pushing through the drywall. And it looks like like a little circle in your drywall. So those are a couple. I'm a like, I love to, I don't love to, but I love to encourage people to check their HVAC, get their ducts clean, check your gutters. Like Our houses, this is just home ownership, need a lot of upkeep. It's not like we buy the house and it's good. It's just making yeah. sure everything, the way it was built is doing what it should. Like the gutters, yeah. The gutters, like the gutters draining properly away from the house, not just dropping the water at the side of the house. <laughs> yeah. We almost need like a, this is what you should do if you're living in a house, which most people are living in a house or an apartment. Yeah. Checklist. Like this is what you do, even if there is an active mold. But like, what do you do just to maintain the house? I've been thinking about this. We talked about it before we press record. Like, I just bought a house, you guys. Like, wow, it's really exciting. And also, I'm like, what about the mold? Like, we already have a leak. Our dishwasher is like malfunctioning. I'm like, oh my gosh, wait, like, ah, like mold. My mind goes directly to mold because of people like Emily and so many of my clients. And what you do really well is you are very good at synthesizing the nation into like, here's what you do so that people don't feel that overwhelmed. Yeah. And I think there is something empowering about just educating yourself versus because I did this in the beginning of my journey. I was like, the mold inspector came. I had such PTSD. I couldn't even be in the house. Now, like my seventh mold inspector, I follow that guy around and ask him questions for six hours straight because I'm like, what about that drywall that's separated? What do you think about that crack? Is that the house settling or do you think that's what? And I think it's like a muscle, right? Because I do butterfly taps, right? Learned from you to get me out of, yeah. But it was also a muscle that was getting flexed. Mm -hmm. And it was, you do it again, especially when you've gone through the process of taking binders and taking supplements and doing remediation. And you think, I'm only going to have to do this once. And then it happens a couple more times on your journey. You're like, I've healed from this before. I can do this again. I'm resilient. My kids are resilient. And... Yeah, it's like a muscle that gets flexed and eventually the PTSD kind of subsides, hopefully, <laughs> less and less each time. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. I love that cue for empowerment and resiliency. You think, why is it that we all have mold exposure, right? I mean, to be honest, right, there's mold everywhere, but everywhere. resilience of our body, right? Like, where are we with this? Knowing these things from Dr. Emily, like what you can do just can help shut off that fight or flight faster so that your body doesn't go into that like lack of resilient place for so, so long. And I also just love what you said about like you follow the inspector around 
we talk about this all the time on the podcast, but like, it's just there's such a correlation between Hashimoto's and not using our voice, right? Like, mm. huge correlation there. I find with women like silencing themselves, shaming themselves, being shamed, being abused in this way. That was my story, being gaslit, whatever. Like, oh, your thyroid's normal, your thyroid's normal, or whatever. Like, it could be at work or in relationships. And so I love that you were like, yeah. I'm just going to now, though, I am I know what I'm talking about and I'm just going to pester you until you give me the answers I need. Like, I'm not backing down because my health and my family's health is the most important thing for me. Right. Yeah. And an average, like a kind of low quality mold inspector, 500 to show up, $500 just to show up at your door, like a higher quality mold inspector, like $1,500 to $2,500 just to show up. And then it's like a cost per sample. So I also like to walk around and be like, just because of my experience of finding inspectors over testing, like I like to be like, do we really need to do that test? Like, do we need to do an air sample in every room or should we just do this? So I like to, and maybe it's having a voice, but just, and maybe it's a little bit of like wanting to add some control into the situation. But the more knowledge I have, the more, yeah, the more empowered I feel and the more I feel like it's a collaborative approach yeah. versus like, you're the authority and here is me down below waiting for your answers. I like it. Like I want it to be like they're a partner, just like you're a partner in someone's health. I want my mold inspector to be like, I got your back. Like I'm not going to miss a thing, but I'm also not going to like do 10 samples per room. So yeah. Okay. I love that. Partnership, you guys. Partnership. Yeah. I have one more question for you because it's going to make you laugh. Let's do it. What's the number one thing you tell people not to clean mold with? The bleach. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, Don't be like, oh, I have mold clean it with bleach. Don't do that. Caveat on a porous surface. So, like, bleach is like 97% water and water feeds mold. So, on a surface that's porous, which is like any sort of wood, it can even be the grout, right? Because grout is porous. It could potentially feed mold. So, if you have mold in your shower, like on the caulking, you got to pull out the caulking and recaulk it. So, but on a non porous surface, like your bathtub that doesn't have grout you could use bleach do you want to breathe in bleach fumes i don't think so but what do you think what do you clean your bathroom with oh i have all these like organic natural essential oil where my husband picks up the bottle he's like what is this (laughs) there's some like branch basics in there a lot of it is prevention like drying things off as quickly like not just letting water sit overnight in your bathroom so I just thought that the bleach one gets me every time and makes me laugh. Yeah. Everyone's like, what? Don't do bleach. I'm like, no, do bleach. What have I been doing my whole life? Doing <laughs> my whole life. Yeah. What yeah. did that teach me? Well, this has been amazing. And thank you for coming on and teaching us so much about our physical body, muscles, protein, how we recover and mold. There's just so many resources you have. Any like, I don't know, last minute or last second encouragement or things you would want to tell someone who might be like hearing this for the first time? If they're working with a provider and they're iffy or on the fence, there's tons of great providers like Sophie that do go above and beyond. Like if you feel like your provider's like, you're just another cog in the wheel, you're just another patient. And next, there's so many providers out there that are like, we want to help you. We have trained and studied for thousands of hours. Like it's literally what I do when my kids go to bed. My husband's like, hey, honey. I'm like, I got to study. So if you're not happy with your provider, use your voice, right? Because I think as women, sometimes we're like, hey, it's good enough. I shouldn't speak up. Like use your voice, either speak to your provider or find a new one. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. So that's great. And so people can find you on Instagram. You want to tell us like the Instagram and the Thyroid Strong. We'll 
definitely put my link in there. But where? Yeah. Dr. Emily Kybert across all platforms and Thyroid Strong is a program on dremilykybert.com. Amazing. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. It's been wonderful. And everyone will see you on the next episode, which is going to drop tomorrow. Enjoy. Love it. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of the She Talks Health podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to leave us a five-star review on iTunes and share this with a girlfriend. This is how we get the podcast into the hands of women all over the world. If you'd like to connect with me directly, be sure to shoot me a DM on Instagram as She Talks Health to start a conversation. I'd love to hear from you. Or you may always visit our website, shetalkshealth.com, if you're interested in joining a program or scheduling a future call with me, or even taking advantage of our thyroid and other free resources. 